Um, welcome to Curl Talk. Today we have Lily Kind, the Lily Kind, Lily, it's Lily. Um, so yeah, you can say hi and introduce yourself, um, say whatever you want about yourself, like what your favorite kind of donut is, like I, hmm. whatever, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Lily Kind and, um, I am a big, a big donut fan. I... <laughs> Would say my heart is with like a cider donut because I did grow up in New England, like a, just a solid cider donut. Yeah, I've never had one. Yeah, they're cakey. They're like cake based, um, but they're made with apple cider, and so they have a little like tang. Mm. Um, so that's really like my my donut preference. Donut preference. So Lily is a local artist, right? Yeah. I'd say. Um, so what would you say, what would you call your occupation, I guess? Um, I am, yeah, I'm an artist, producer, choreographer, teacher. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I do a lot of things <laughs> and I work kind of on this, a, a pretty broad spectrum of movement from um, yoga to sort of like more movement exploration to sort of devised theater and then I also do vernacular dances so I have like a pretty bizarre weird Venn diagram cool um and so you said you grew up in New England I did I grew up uh outside Boston cool and then I got out of there as soon as I could (laughs) and I went I did a lot of traveling and then I was in Baltimore for about a decade and then I moved here two years ago Whenever people say a decade, it always sounds so much more, like, <laughs> intense. But then I'm like, okay, that's just, like, ten years. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, like, including college. So it was, like... A decade. Yeah, a whole decade. It was sense. college and then, like, another equivalent of college, basically. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> cool. So what would you say your sexuality is? Um, I think that, like, usually I say I'm queer. Um, yeah. That is what feels the most home um but when I was sort of coming of age and like hitting puberty queer didn't really mean where I was the same thing it did so like it does still feel like this kind of different like a it does feel a little bit like a thing I've put on like it's like an out like like I'm making a sweater gesture right now because no one can see me um because my like formative sexual experiences I didn't have that word Mm. Um, so I'm really grateful for it. Um, mm-hmm. but I've spent less of my life saying that than I have saying it because it's something that has kind of come into presence. I feel like it always feels weird to call yourself queer, but like <laughs> talking about like a general like, right. <laughs> like population queer makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, and also cause people don't really know how to like respond when you say like queer because like right it doesn't give sometimes like I feel like sometimes when I'm asked about my sexuality people want like not often but like especially sort of when I was younger it was like they wanted some kind of hard clear answer and saying I was queer just complicated things yeah um and so it doesn't give the satisfaction of being like I'm from Boston you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) people really want that too they like I don't know. People are scared of things they don't know, and for whatever reason, like labels are really satisfying, I guess. But um, okay, so I'm gonna get more into like when did you? Would you say that you came out? Yeah. So 
in your like pre-podcast questionnaire, yes. I was like, good question, because I don't really know. <laughs> um, I think that, um, yeah, it's funny, because I am like pretty, I still feel hesitant to claim a coming out, because I think I'm a little bit, um, I often get stuck in a place between wanting to like, uh, honor individuals who've had to act out of a less cushioned and privileged place than I live in. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I never had to. And if coming out means sort of having to declare an identity mm-hmm. in a sort of uh, challenging, difficult way or kind of counter mm-hmm. to what might be expected of you, I've never had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um and on the flip side of that, like, oh, my God, if everyone who was just, like, a little bit gay, like, would just fucking come out, we'd be like, yeah, everyone's gay, move on, you know what right. I mean? Um, right. So um, I never, I guess I, there was, like, the closest thing to a coming out for me was, I think, when I started Lindy Hopping after college. Um, and Lindy Hop is, tr- like, sort of started as a, like any cool dance was started by like four black kids in the hood. Um, and this was in the thirties in Harlem and it was pretty gendered in the sense that like males led and follows were women, but even that got mixed up and played around with. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was just some formative moments, um, as Lindy hop was coming to be really sort of dig like the Lindy hop community in Baltimore has become really like sort of, um, it's one of the like points on the map. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got to be there during that time. And uh, I guess it was like, because I had cut my hair. (laughs) Uh, I had short hair, and I was meeting people who'd never met me with long hair. Mm. And I had, like, strong impulses to lead and follow. And I was, like, maybe hating on the girls, you know? Uh, And, I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but I was was being introduced to people who didn't know me already. Mm And people kind of assumed I was queer. Or at the time, people would be like, are you bisexual? You know, the sort of like direct question. Um, And usually it was in a pretty friendly way. Like leaders in that community wanted me to feel included and safe. And so they were trying to figure out, maybe like figure me out in a way that was like, how can we make this a safe space for you? And I think that was when I started to be like, oh, fuck it, I'm queer. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, to people who didn't know me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So do you remember a time before then where you felt like like your identity, like, wasn't self-actualized? And was that a feeling of, like, Mm. feeling small or feeling sort of like your identity wasn't okay? Or was that just sort of, like, a time of, like... Who am I? You know what I mean? I do. I have a distinct memory of being like in high school and being driven somewhere and it raining and like leaning my head against the car window and watching the raindrops and being like, (laughs) I am attracted to women. You know, (laughs) just like being like a little bit in the time being like, fuck, you know? Um, And I think that I was pretty comfortable with that. Mm. 
And I had sort of bigger sexual intimacy fish to fry at the time, Mm. which was much more around, like, the patriarchy and, like, my private school and um, being kind of, like, a fetishized person Mm. uh, and, like, having lots of male friends and then the classic, like, fucked up thing where it's, like, friend zone, which is, like, in itself a very patriarchal fucked up thing to, like, impose on a young female. I had so much more of that that I was, like, oh, trying to navigate this shit. Um, that I kind of just was like, well, that, mm, okay, you know, and I, you know, I was a young person, and, and I was, like, attracted to my female friends or people I wasn't friends with, and it just sort of felt, like, fine. Yeah. Um, I got so much more, I my struggle was so much more with just how to be actually, like, myself inside of the system that we live in. Mm. Um, I felt okay with my feelings, and... I had friends and um, I had people around who were either like fabulously gay and did, but like not out of a closet, so to speak, or just sort of like queer women figuring mm. it out. It was to the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, it was like such a different time during the 2000s to now and I've been talking a lot about how like things have changed so Mm. drastically but it's funny because when you were saying that the moment of being in the car and being like fuck like (laughs) it's funny because a lot of people have had that moment but like I'm really thinking like I'm trying to understand like why we have to like experience that like there's so much fear that we experience when we realize that and like it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me that like something that's natural to us needs to be like you know but um yeah I mean there's almost like I remember the first time feeling any sexual feelings and being like fuck you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean like yeah. this is really powerful yeah, this is and I have insane. no idea what to do with it <laughs> yeah yeah and especially like at that age is like where do I direct my feelings? And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's sort of interesting how, like, your sexuality was sort of on the back burner, like, in terms of, like, the things that you you were more focused on. Like, you were you said you were more focused on, like, the patriarchy. Like, what does that, <laughs> what does that mean to yeah, you? Yeah, well, I didn't have that word at the time. I mean, um, I... Uh, definitely struggled to like for me my own feelings of like being attracted to all different kinds of people has always felt like pretty good and actually like really like part of my like fire um it's been more like how to just be in the world and like sort of finding this like yin and yang balance between my masculine and feminine self and um so it's been maybe more about my own like gender presentation than my actual sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially as a teenager, those things get really like conflated. Um, so for me, like, you know, being like, whoa, I'm pretty in <laughs> as a yeah. young person and seeing what that does. And then also seeing like that it's like very you know, it was, like, pretty formative to be, like, a pretty girl at a young age and how I was treated 
yeah. because of that and also how I was treated because of that differently than people around me who I loved yeah. and like how to take responsibility for that and you know uh it's just so much for a young person to take on and I was lucky to have a little bit of insight into the sort of like social structures that created those things like my mom is pretty like badass and you know she's she has a different wave of a former wave of feminism um but same my mom also, <laughs> I think that's also why I am the way that I am because my mom was always like I'm a feminist you're gonna be a feminist <laughs> like <laughs> yeah funny. you know and like my mom yeah I mean I could go on with my mom she's she's awesome um but it was like whoa like sex was more the thing for me than sexuality and I know mm. that's like well how can you like separate those things but in terms of how I felt and like who I was attracted to I was like this feels good like mm-hmm. and I've also been around bodies my whole life mm. um but the thing about being like how can sex be good regardless of what gender it is felt more of my struggle of just like all of the tropes that you're built in that are like built mm-hmm. into even someone like me who was like, fuck that, like, I want to be independent, little punk-ass rebel. I still had, yeah. like, in my most intimate moments as a young person, all this shit in the back of my head that I really had to, like, clear out. And I had mm. some stupid, boring, like, heteronormative blah-blah sex in high school uh, with someone who probably didn't really like me that much but thought I was pretty because I was, like, trying to do some research, and that was just not the way to do it, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's sort of interesting because I think, like young queer people go through this sort of like testing out identities like that's definitely a thing I've noticed like a lot of people that have come in and recorded have been like there have been a period of time where I was like xyz and now I'm like completely the opposite Mm -hmm. and like I think that sort of says a lot about like the sort of like struggle to be accepted and like fit in I guess, is what I'm sort of grasping from all of it. Do you feel like you felt, like, the pressure to to fit in and that was just contradicting with the things that you wanted to see yourself doing? Um, I've, like, maybe... I'm... I don't know that I've ever felt pressured to fit in, and if anything, I've always leaned a little towards stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and standing out can be a kind of fitting in, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, I think I more want to be good at stuff. I have more of like a humility thing uh, mm. that I still am working on. <laughs> um, and I think early on for me, I just was afraid of looking like a fool or like kind of not knowing, you know? Um, and so for me, like some of the harder moments for me around like sexuality was just of like not trusting myself like not surrounding myself with people I trusted enough to like be vulnerable with Mm. um and trying to like figure things out on my own um and then I think like yeah in terms of uh there's like again the sort of like one I've the first the times that I've gotten to sort of the first times I start to claim queerness were so I mentioned like the Lindy Hop scene, but also like when I was tra- I traveled a lot as a young person, and being able to leave a place where people know you a certain yeah. way and like 
how you are and what you wear and how you talk and who you date. So that kind of chameleon-ness I do relate to of like going somewhere new and being able, like I remember being in Tel Aviv uh, in like 2009 and um, sort of being directly asked, asked by like other dancers and about my sexual orientation and um, getting to answer that question every time, you know, didn't get really old. They didn't get, didn't get old, especially, you know, around being like the international, like, you know, like how like dance European, like dance festivals are. It's like people from all over. And, um, and there was maybe ways in which being like, yeah, I'm queer in those places where everyone was a little bit like, Inherently kind of a weirdo, trying to figure it out in their body. Sensual was definitely definitely easier place to say those things Mm -hmm. than... In America. (laughs) Yeah, or even like, you know, my... Around people and friends, families who are going to be less inclined to be sympathetic to that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, So you're sort of talking about the, like, freedom of being at... A festival does that feel like do you remember like one moment when you like self-actualized and you were like this is like me like I'm doing it like (laughs) I mean I definitely feel like I have uh maybe I've got a few of those like um sometimes breakups feel that way (laughs) when I'm just like oh yeah like this is who I fucking am (laughs) I didn't even realize how much of this other person I was carrying around um but I think like um, I have a memory of like making out with someone in a stairwell at a party <laughs> in the Lindy, like that was sort of like a lot of Lindy Hop people were there and she was in the Lindy Hop community and realizing that I had sort of made this like, that like it was sort of pretty public in this way and like that was partially what was sexy about it, but, um, and that. Yeah, I mean, I think in that moment, there was, like, I the little, like, fire in me was about being, like, I feel comfortable enough in myself in this moment to, like, be this way, you know? And um, and that felt really good, you know? Like, that kind of comfort in myself, like, and power, you know? It was sort of mixed in with, like, a certain moment of, like, desire and being turned on. Like, that feels really good. And um, I think that... Yeah, I mean, I think some of... I still am, like, me and queer sometimes, mostly because I have had and still continue to, like, also date men and have. Um, so, uh, like, I'm not deeply entrenched in, like, queer politics and organizing. And um, mm. and maybe I am in my own way, but not in an explicit way in that sense. Um yeah, I mean, it's funny for me to be like, yeah, like at like a at like someone's house, house in Charles Village in a stairwell. I was like, I'm fucking queer. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that's that's sort of where, yeah, I think I got to really be like publicly the fullest, not just as an idea, but be like, no, this is me and my sexuality around people, and uh, not I'm not scared. Yeah. Side note about organizing. Um, <laughs> I think that organizing, like, I don't know, people are always like, yeah, like, I'm a, like, community organizer or, like, I don't think that title is, like, 
definitive. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, you don't need that to, like, determine, like, I think yeah. if you're queer and you care about the community, like, on some level you're organizing. Like, I think <laughs> right now, right now <laughs> we're organizing. Discounts. Yeah. Like, we're both oh, yeah. queer and we're talking about being queer. So Absolutely. I, I would say that that's uh, a well, contribution. I mean, <laughs> and I think for me, like, also, like, the queer, queerness and, like, this other word that's come into, like, I feel like popular or, like, one layer under popular discourse is like wit- witchiness and mm. like um, as a kind of redirection of this idea of like being outside of Western medicine and being outside of um, the same way queerness is about sort of also not just about gender and sexuality, but also this sort of like counter normative life choices. And that's yeah. where I'm like, oh yeah, definitely queer. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just like definitely fall right. under that bracket like I'm uh you know I'm almost 31 and I'm like sort of nomadic and I like have done lots of organizing and quotes but around art practice and art making and what I eat and how I take care of my body like it's all sort of pretty non-normative and that feels much more a place where I'm like not only am I queer and in that sense of like, okay, this is an identity, but I'm like how I spend my dollars, how I participate inside of the capitalist system, like Yeah, it's all very much related. And I think it's sort of interesting that like alternate lifestyles are sort of coming up as a form of queerness now. Like mm-hmm. that that makes a lot of sense to me. But I think it also might bring a lot of confusion and, and like a lot of hetero people are gonna start being like, Oh, that queer person is also like a gypsy because they're right. queer. Like <laughs> just I heard some I saw shit. some like weird meme the other day on the internet when I was like I feel when I like my reaction was like to feel like both like kind of in support and like offended simultaneously. But it was some meme and it was sort of like the modern day hipster is basically like a nineties lesbian in terms of like drinking like kombucha and homebrew and like uh. haircuts and just being like, oh that's both like offensive but also like true good <laughs> to celebrate of. in a way. Yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we can also like feel more liberated by laughing at like the stereotypes and things that like are being associated with our identities and stuff. So I can see like, like memes yeah. are definitely like a double edged sword. Like, <laughs> like I'm like laughing because I relate, but I'm also laughing because like, what the fuck? Like, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I also like, um, yeah, like I have, uh, dear friend and colleague who identifies loudly as queer, but most people don't see her that way, you know? And that's a thing that is, like, another kind of weird thing, like, the sort of the violence of consensus, in a way, around being like, oh, queer has to look like this. You know, like, yeah. you and I have similar haircuts, like, <laughs> and, like, you know, she doesn't. And, um, and, but if you judged it by, like, who we dated... Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, I feel like there's also sort of this, like, weird in-between zone with, like, what people see and then, like, the way that we actually live our lives. And, yeah. like, there's a lot of assumptions that yeah. happen on a day-to-day basis that, like, I think need to be talked about, but also, to a certain extent, I don't want to talk about them <laughs> because then it's just going to continue, like, this process of, like, you know, like people assuming about sexuality or gender um but do you do you feel sort of frustrated when um people make assumptions about you um I mean at this point 
I'm less frustrated by like assumptions about my gender and sexuality because usually people assume I'm queer and I feel like I am or that I'm gay. Um, and it, I feel like fine with that, you know? Uh, and if people assume the other way, like I, I just, to me, that's like, I am less kind of uh, my like sort of prickly about that than hmm. people assuming like I'm stupid. You know what I mean? Like I just have so much more things around people being like, oh, well, you're like this like friendly, smiley, happy person. Uh, you surely can't do very much, you know, or like, oh, you're five two. Like, you know, I, I still as a yeah. grown woman encounter situations constantly where I'm just like sort of not visible in my full capacity, mm. um, which I think, uh, and I spend a lot of time as a young person being like, well, I need to present myself differently and I need mm. to act more like this way and that way and as a grown up, and then I was just like depressed. And I'm like, actually, I do laugh a lot and I am like, not much bad shit has happened to me in my life. Like, I walk into a room and I'm a goofball, right? Like, yeah. I walk into your house and like house the lavender donut, you know what I mean? Like, um, but that I can be a full and bright person with, uh, and that, 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 that doesn't, I'm still also like, I have gravity and I am going to do what I say I'm going to fucking do, you know, right. and I like can kick ass and take names. Um, so which for me actually is more con- around this idea of like product, like uber productivity and um, like artists as depressed are two like sort of intertwining things that, um, have more of an impact on me and the idea that like if you're like a creative person you sort of need to be like reading Baudelaire and smoking like handled cigarettes you know mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's like a culture of addiction that I think comes with our culture of productivity um, so I get more sort of annoyed when I'm like yeah I like take time off and I like cook and I like observe Sabbath and like that is more where I feel like I have to fight for um, how I want to be in the world based on how I am perceived. Hmm. Uh, that's really interesting because I think that, at least personally, I felt like the, the perception that people have of you and like the way that I've presented myself has also been more of like a struggle versus like, because, like, I know, like, what I like and who I am, but it's always about, like, like how can I communicate who I am in a way that's going to be, like, perceived well and then also, like, accepted, I guess, mm-hmm. too, which is, like, which is really interesting. Um, it's tricky also because, on the one hand, I want to honor, like, everyone's identity politics, and at the same time, I think identity in itself is, like, a deeply American obsession, and it is yeah. part of this, like, capitalist, productive, blah, 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 like... Oh, fuck it. Of course it identity is, Identity, yeah. and, like, what's your identity, and take this quiz, and, like... <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> like, no, like, like... What I, donut are you? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, which three characters are you combined, so and funny. who are you, and what's your this, and what's your that, and, and I think it's... Im- to like I want to make space for people who are you know live in like a subjected way based on identities they're born into such as race or class or certain kinds of disability and be like yeah that your lived experience is definitely valid and I want to like be like listening about that I also think that there's a flip side of that which is like most 
like those are identities people are born into, you know, and um, that's part of how this like stratified system we live in works versus like most of my identities besides being female, I've gotten to choose, you know, I could have chosen to not be Jewish, even though I was quote unquote like born into a Jewish family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the minutia inside of identity around like, what do I do? What kind of artist am I? And what pants am I going to wear today? Like what's, you know, like, and what pictures do I put on Instagram to me, that's all this, this like identity frenzy, frenzy that is just there to serve like the great panic of capitalism yeah that's I can see a lot of truth in that I think that I've sort of noticed like that there's a binary with the people that I'm interviewing and some people think that the most liberating thing is to like fight and acknowledge your identity every day and then the other half Mm. says I want to exist and live normally and that is my like form Mm. of like liberation do you feel like you utilize both or do you think that you lean towards one um i think that oh god and just with like everything it is a deep question also (laughs) i'm just like thinking about everything that just happened like with miley cyrus too uh because what i want to say is like well my current sort of spirituality is to like kind of chill out on like the defining of who i am and like participate as like a part of something much larger Mm -hmm. and uh also as like a social scientist and general citizen slash human I'm also kind of constantly trying to figure out how um I can most compassionately participate in the social structures that exist wherein I have a certain amount of privilege and um you know how am I exercising that and so I think that if I was, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I only know like the life that I have. <laughs> um, True. <laughs> right. True. And Unless I think you're psychic, there, I don't know. right, right. And so there's times when I will kind of push my thumb into my ideas when I feel like I'm in a room where it would be easy to not in the sense of like, well, if it feels uncomfortable to be queer here, I should maybe be a little louder about being queer. Hmm. And because simply, like, that's how most people change is nobody changes unless they want to, number one. And, you know, unfortunately. (laughs) And that most of us change our opinions based on some sort of personal interaction. And so I can just turn up um, the parts of myself that feel important in order to you know, sort of, like, interact with people in a way that I could easily have been invisible, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, I'll kind of, like, it's, like, I'm, like, looking at your mixer, like, like I will turn the knobs. Yeah. Um, And that's me also, like, perpetuating my own social agenda, you know. Um, Yeah, but why not? Right. But in terms of how I, like, it's important to me to not hold on too tightly to any one kind of identity. Um, and that is because I think that is a thing that's constructed to get me to buy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always sort of struggled with like defining myself too. And I think it's because more and more, like there are more and more requirements for like classifying ourselves mm-hmm. too. So like the more that we can <laughs> yeah. f- literally, 
It's like, like, first of all, I'm pansexual. Second of all, I'm in like a homosexual relationship. Third right. of all, I'm Jewish. Like, right. like, like where do I stop? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. a righty. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> I have green eyes. Right, like, right. It's yeah. just like, it can go on and on forever. And I've sort of, like, in other countries, I know that this is definitely, like, no one's sitting around at a, like, a... People got bigger fucking problems. Literally. <laughs> and America is still stuck on, like, the same two, three, four problems. Like, yeah. And... Like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, does the conversation need to move somewhere else in order for us to move on? Or does the conversation need to stay, you know, in this identity-centric I mean, area? I think we have, I mean, the United States is sort of specific in our relationship to race. And that's a place where we just need to, like, you know, just so much acknowledgement has never has still not Seriously. happened. 2016 <laughs> was the first time that, like, white people started really being like, we fucked up. <laughs> And, you know, I just think that's really different. And that's a, that's not an identity that's, like... I mean, yeah, like, racial identity is fucking different. And I, I think that, like, you know, if someone born with a different kind of ability also has, like, a different experience. But, um, like, just race in the United States, to me, I'm just like, this is the, what defines our entire nation. So we are going to have to, like... There is going to be a messiness with identity, but, like... Can we just focus on this one that seems significantly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know. I'm sort of being a little bit goofy, but um, and I do think that's where. And then if you look at like the history of, like the subjugation of Black people in our country, it does have a lot to do also with, like, I mean, what with sexism and how, you know, like the predominant population. I mean, at least when I was living in Baltimore, like the most of the population that was living under the poverty line was the single female parented household. Um, And so there is, I think, a lot of ways that our sort of patriarchal organization perpetuates internally problem, like the cycles of poverty Mm. um, inside of our racist country. And so in, in that sense, like, I think that the, like the the identity there is really worth not like it's important to be like these are identities that people generally didn't choose and um mm. c- cultural cycles that are constructed to be extremely challenging to extract oneself from and in order to extract yourself from them you actually have to change identity in this really fucked up way and then yeah. that's a place where i'm like yeah I want to talk. I like. I want to like make space for identity in that sense. But yeah, yeah in terms of America is being obsessed with like, God, yeah, exactly. It's like, crazy. are you you know like what side bed you wake up on in the morning? Like, oh my God, like who fucking cares? And yeah. you should change it. Like, change your identity. Go for it. You yeah. know. <laughs> I was thinking even more like this is sort of meta, but like, I think it's gotten to the point where the government is sort of violating our our personal like information in so many different ways that surround identity too like i was thinking like when you fill out a job application how many more questions there are now than there are like (laughs) there were when i was like 16 applying yeah absolutely and i don't know i just like i'm just finding it to be more of a violation of privacy than like anything that's gonna be beneficial like even on like the census bureau i'm like is there a reason why we still do this like you know it's like 
Well, yeah, I mean, the job application thing is funny <laughs> when it's like, if I'm, unless I'm working with straight up children, like, the, which I have done, and you know, like, then I'm willing to give my fingerprints, fine. Like, but, yeah. But some jobs I've applied for, including, I mean, I'm not going to name anything right now, but like, <laughs> why do you need to know every address I've lived at at the last six years? Yeah, that's terrifying. You know, first of all, like, that, are you going to go to all my landlords? Which, and right, which is, which is like, that's ridiculous, number one. And number two, even that question, there is this, like, there's an insistence in that question that someone should only have lived at one or two addresses in the last couple of years. And there's an insistence in that question about, like, renting and owning and leasing and and trackability and how you spend your money. And, like, mm. you know, uh, so even inside of the, the ridiculousness of the job questionnaire thing is, like, this, you know, it's sort of the normalizing of, like, how you're supposed to be... Uh, resident of some kind of place and i'm like all for like being a citizen and registering and voting um but and yeah i mean it's just i i can't the system i can't even imagine you know what i mean like it's hard for me yeah i just it's the the level of and then don't get me started on the internet you know (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole other thing yeah it's like i definitely can see that there's sort of like like that question has a lot of pressure and a lot of tension in it and like just alone and some of the questions that I've seen too recently have been getting more and more specific in that way like I've seen like the way that they phrase questions surrounding race now are, are really I think inappropriate it'll be like um check this box if you're Hispanic or um like Native American or something and then, then that, like, gives you a, a whole other, like, I have a whole other thought stream. I'm like, are they looking for people that are Hispanic? Are they looking for people? Right. Like, or are they, do they not yeah. want people? Like, there's yeah. just so much in there that is, like, anyways, I'm so off topic right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, race is also very relevant. But <laughs> so I want to go back a little bit to, um, you were sort of just talking about, like, moments where you were like yes this is me Mm. do you feel like your life changed a lot when you sort of like externalized your sexuality or do you feel like it more or less stayed the same um yeah I, I don't think my life changed that much when I externalized my sexuality and I think I have like again like I have a pretty supportive small family um um and they're very, very smart, compassionate people. Um, I think, you know, like when I cut my hair, <laughs> I was in college, my parents were like, oh, but it was so pretty, you know? I just went through that. <laughs> Do you think happens to every, I maybe like every woman yeah. when they cut my their hair in like, their 20s? Nice! <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> right. Yeah, and my mom was like, you know, I just liked it. You do whatever you want. But I did like it the yeah. other way. Do whatever you want, but. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, but she's also someone, well, yeah, again, moms are such a thing. Um, but I think when I cut my hair in college, so that I was in college from 2004 or five to 2009. So I definitely remember like going to the same bars in Baltimore with short hair and having a totally different experience. It really, <laughs> it really does change how people perceive you. And like, I, I can't, I still to this day can't decide whether I like the assumption that short hair means that you're queer or if I don't like it. Like, because I think to a certain extent, it's like, 
it's sort of sad. It's like sort of like a code between us. We're like, okay, there's like a queer person. I know. <laughs> like how, how much of your head is shaved and like, yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, yeah, I guess hair is funny like that. Um, also, you know, just to like complicate things with race again, I'll just, be, yeah. I mean, I also have had the experience, I think also like our kinds of haircuts that you and I have, I mean, you have curly hair and I don't, but, um, like long wavy hair is not unless without a lot of work is never going to be like a natural experience for a person of color Mm. and um i definitely have a different experience going into beauty stores because i love to go to like beauty palace or whatever and just like look at all the stuff and buy earrings you know um (laughs) and i lived like right in baltimore i lived like right in the strip that had like four or five beauty stores and I definitely felt like I just had such a different experience in those stores, which is one of just people of like the women in those stores could have the haircut that I had. And there was like a different kind of camaraderie around that mm-hmm. and buying beauty products. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which is something like I never, like I maybe intellectually had thought about, but having like the lived experience was really different. Um, yeah. And also like uh, this haircut has like become like a short, uh, sort of semi-asymmetrical partially shaved haircut has definitely become like also more and more popular in terms of like star you know like famous people and true um but oh god i got off topic with the hair the hair discussion but um <laughs> Still totally i do fun. think that like yeah like cutting my hair was the thing you know and that was like after a big it was a frida kala moment after like a really challenging breakup and after kind of like a shitty relationship in college um and mm. then i had proceed- going on to have like a really positive like, um, heterosexual relationship, like, immediately after that, you know? So it's not like cutting my hair made me gayer, you know what I mean? But it, um, going out into the world, and honestly, I feel like people treated me more respectfully, which is weird, but, like, when I had long hair... That's really strange, because it's sort of underlying that, like... Females get less respect. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think people were like, and I'm a very like kind of alpha person, like in terms of that I like to be in charge. Um, and when I, I think that yeah, like people just started taking a little bit more seriously, which was also me getting older. But I was like, oh, that's cool, and also what the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I also wanted to talk about sort of like because I relate on the level of sort of like. I, I wouldn't call myself alpha, but I would say that I'm definitely, like, an aggressive or, like, intense female. Do you think that um, that sort of side of you also affected people's perception of your sexuality? Or do you think there's sort of a link between, like, female aggression and queerness? Huh. Um, I think culturally there's a link between female aggression and, que- and queerness in the sense of, like, oh, like queer girls like you know know. (laughs) which I'm sort of like okay like (laughs) again it's like fine you know um I think uh well there's like a flip side of that which is that I have maybe like fire is a better way to say like you know it's like the alpha beta is like so like but like I have my very strong like fire element in terms of like Chinese medicine and um um you hear it and I talk like that, I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I think people assume, like, I've had, 
I think like I will like cross off someone if I'm like interested in someone maybe a little bit as like a lover and they express in any way that they assume that I'm like so like dominating and aggressive in bed I'm just like nope not gonna happen because it's such a jump to go from how someone asserts themselves in like a social political world to how they are in like their most intimate moments and you wouldn't like I get that from like I have gotten that from men and I've gotten it from men who seem to be struggling with mom dad their Mm. masculinity how men who perform their masculinity frequently express that kind of stuff to me. It's funny how people's (laughs) personal experiences affect how they perceive you. Like it's really crazy. I talk about this a lot with my partner Tatiana because I feel like 90% of the problematic conversations that happen are because of the person like having their own problems and not the the actual topic or subject. Like it's, it's, it's sort of insane, but I'm, I'm interested in sort of, like, gaining awareness of, like, how we can continue to, like, inform people about how to have a conversation that isn't going to, like, allow your negativity to, like, project onto somebody else. Just in, like, a conversation about race, like, gender. It's, like, super important. I mean, it's just, like, for me, like, I keep learning, like, I can only speak to my own lived experience. And I really, that's all I want to hear from other people, too. Like, I just, uh, there's a lot of, like... And I think there's, like, this sort of internet rhetoric around, like, you and, like, ten things you can do. And, like, yeah. you. And there's, like, a weird level of shame in that kind of, like, mm-hmm. second personing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so, like, because self-help language, like, maybe came from a second person place in some ways. Like, I'm not sure where the you comes from. But there is, like, this really big, like, you, you, second personing thing that isn't about... Like, you know, if I, if you read something like literary or poetic that is using a second person pronoun like that, and, um, it, it puts its arms around you, it's like a hug and it kind of flips you into being in someone else's position. But that sort of like pointer, pointing finger you does, is never going to feel good. It doesn't. (laughs) And it's interesting because, uh, my other area of study is advertising and it's, yeah, it's interesting because there's always in ads there's a call to action so it's like it's pointing the finger at you but it's also saying like you're the one that needs to change because you're not doing it right unless what you're doing right now is wrong it's wrong right yeah and i think that like almost every side of the political spectrum is also guilty of that in the current climate too Mm -hmm. like oh my god like just stop telling me what to do. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, like, Definitely. Uh, and it's, it's so much more powerful to me when someone's like, you know, I called my senator today, or today I had this meaningful experience, or today I did this thing based on what I believe right. in. I'm like, oh, shit. Wow, yeah. what a way to live a life. People are, Versus when someone's like, you should yeah. do this. I'm like, stop fucking shit. The most on me. interesting things to listen to are, are like the most raw things and the most authentic things, in my opinion. So like, and that's never going to come out of you language. That's going to come out of I language. Right. And literally, every therapist that I've ever had has been like, you have to use I language because you <laughs> is like, you're going to put the blame on somebody else. Right. I mean, and you see it with little kids even. It's like, it's so... Like someone like well, you know it's like what what happened to your Bobby and it's like well Katie took the scissors yeah. and then she da, da, da. And it's like no but but what happened and it's like well you I threw them at her you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> um, and yes. 
I, I mean, even working in like the yoga industry, at the, the peripherally as I do, and I am fortunate to work in sort of like a more radical avant-garde quote unquote side of yoga. Um, there's so much, or like, you know, in like the peace industry or like health, health and wellness, there's so much you language too. Yeah. And it is the advertising thing of like shaming and sort of absence. And that's how yeah. all this works is being like, instead of being like, the only you statement I want to hear is you are enough. Yeah. The, the Period. most <laughs> successful like wellness and bettering like philosophy, sh- I think needs to be around accepting yourself and like loving yourself and not like changing yourself. Like you don't go to yoga. Well, some people do go to yoga to like change their physical body. Yes, but exactly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of them do. But I don't think that's really what it's for. So yeah, I mean, that's, well, I agree. It could be a positive change too, just like feeling more centered, but like, yeah. Any major, if you're going to yoga to like majorly change your life, like, <laughs> Yeah, um, so I think we're getting close to about time, but um, I'm trying to think of, I did have another question I was going to ask you about, um, just like your work, your creative work, Yeah. do you feel like your sexuality and your identity in general are is like the main inspiration for your creation of art or like your creation of dance in um. general? Man, I think that right now a lot of, or since I moved to Philly or maybe since I just left Baltimore, a lot of work I've made um, is really powered by actual female friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, when I was at CalArts in their MFA program, we had to do, like, big auditions, and that's, like, totally, like, I don't know anybody, right? Mm -hmm. And I cast two sets of best friends who were also roommates, like totally back. I just was like, oh, these people have a dynamic that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've continued to really enjoy working with people who are really friends <laughs> in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my show, Wolf Thicket, which um, was two Februarys, February ago, not this past one, but the one before, and it's something that I'm kind of an ongoing uh work for me um the four women in that didn't know each other at all but the piece becomes it's about like games and playing and also like sort of women's sounds and work and peripheralness um and all of that comes down to this sort of like friendship thing uh and so it's not super clear to me, you know, how that necessarily ties directly or, like, how, what that stems from in me, which is, I think, why I'm still doing it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still making those things. A lot of my um, – I have a lot of really wonderful female friends uh, of various – Femme collective, yeah. <laughs> of various, like, <laughs> genders and sexual orientation, and those, they tend to be – I think more so that's like they're just makers of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have like a lot, like the way, the time I spend with those people is a really, really intentional. Um, and this is like, I'm making a big, pretty big generalization. Whereas like my hangout pals are usually straight men. Um, and I like work with a bunch of dudes and um, I like 
Damn, more power to you. I have like I, I, can't I grew do up, it. I mean, I grew up. <laughs> yeah, but these were like pretty woke people, so okay, that as helps. Long as um, woke. You know, like my I grew up with a brother who was a year older than me, and um, I'm super grateful for that and for him. And he was always very respectful of me. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a feminist, you know, and Dope. is not afraid to say so. He's also like a, uh, you know, career professional lawyer, and like lives a much more sort of, I mean. He's doing work that I think he really cares about, but um, you know, it doesn't. It's not that queer lifestyle thing we're talking about, right? Um, and yeah. you know, he's straight and married, and um, and yeah, I I like I sort of always want to be one of the dudes, you know, uh, and um, it's funny that then I make these like very uh, like a sort of surreal absurd female friendship worlds when I make oh, work. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, I totally feel that. That's and I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there, the, that, that, in that sense, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of my own physical practices where, but then I also make stuff that has like nothing to do with female friendship. So <laughs> um, yeah. in terms of my, it sort of shows up more in terms of my physical practice. Like I started doing some sort of martial arts type things when I moved to Philly and I was like, this is what I've been fucking missing. And, you know, maybe not surprise, surprise, six months later, like, I ended a five-year relationship um, where it was, like, just this, like, young, forceful, power, masculine energy. Like, I needed it. And I got it from martial arts and from, like, weird parkour training and from, like, a different um, kind of physical practice. And I stopped going to ballet, you know, because in ballet, I always wanted to do the male's men's part anyway (laughs) yeah um and it helped me like find some stuff I needed to find in myself and what's funny about that is having really fed that like yang energy that sort of male in quotes energy I'm now much more comfortable in my like take me to the Giannis Marshall class let me roll on the floor with my ass in the air like feminine playful presentation and I see the same thing I mean like that's just what's up in my sex life you know what I mean like having the place to really be like raw and then I have so much more access to the soft and there should I think that people should be allowed to play both fields and the, the stigma around like having to choose one is particularly frustrating for me too because I love ballet but like shit like I'm gonna like go hard doing a hip-hop class if I want to and like that should be fine and people shouldn't have to ask questions about like what are you or like who like you know so I totally relate to that um we're gonna wrap up but if you I usually give each guest like a moment if you want to like plug any projects you're doing yeah absolutely um I I do want to plug where I work actually you should do that too I do I I work at the yoga movement sanctuary and it's owned by two um you know cisgender straight men um and um it's there's a lot of students there who are women looking for a different kind of like power force Mm -hmm. um and the um it's a really cool environment, especially I think for a lot of dancers who have any kind of modern dance background who like want to be on their hands and be upside down. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, and I teach on Tuesdays at six thirty and eight, and it's um, sort of we use yoga the way you'd use like a ballet bar in the sense of like it's your warm up, it's a preparation, and then we build movement exploration from there. I'm definitely gonna come through. One should of check days. it out. I want to be on my hands. Class. Yeah, I mean YMS in general. There's a lot of like. Up in the trees, upside down on your hands. Um, it's really fun. Uh, and then, 
Yeah, Wolf Thicket is like this ongoing project I have, um, which will come back around sometime, sometime soon. And then I also have run a nomadic monthly jazz and soul dance called Ragtag. <laughs> you invited me that to that on Facebook, and I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, so um, I, with Heather Hude, who's also like a badass woman, um, yeah, Ragtag, it changes where it is in the city. It's every month it moves around. Um, it's Dope. Lindy Hop, and then at 11, I DJ Soul, and then that turns into like whatever. We have, sometimes we have live musicians. We're always looking for more bands and more venues, so we need hardwood floors, but other than that, um, even that's flexible. Yeah. And we are trying to, I'm trying to find more bands. I mean, there's a lot of great bands led by like young white men with nice hairdos, but I would love to expand who are able to hire. Cool. Um, so yeah, Ragtag. 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 Word. Those are my plugs. Plugs. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to follow us, it's C-U-R-L-T-A-L-K at SoundCloud and iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes podcast as well. And thanks. That's a wrap. Curl Talk is an independent podcast hosted by Julia Davis and run independently out of Philadelphia, PA. Curl Talk was established with the intention of creating a safe space for conversations about identity. Season 2, Voices, is a narrative exploration of fear surrounding LGBTQIA identities in America. Curl Talk does not support racist, sexist, ageist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, biphobic, xenophobic, prejudiced, or hateful comments. Special thank you to our sound editor, Carlos Johns Davila, intro and outro by Jeff Kim. Thank you.